Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. My name is Greg Frank. This is episode 151 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. We're going to get to our guest in just a minute, but first, let's check in with my co-host and eRenewable CEO, Mike Niemer. Hi, Mike Niemer here, CEO of eRenewable. If you're a wind, solar, or battery storage developer, and you're looking to find an off-taker, our online live auction is a perfect platform to help you find that buyer. Conversely, if you're a CNI customer and you're looking to establish a PPA or VPPA, our auction platform could work for you. To learn more about how we can assist you with your power purchase agreement, visit us at eRenewable.com. And now, back to the Green Insider. And we welcome you into episode 151 of the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Alongside Mike Niemer, I am Greg Frank. And we're joined today by Chris Loffman from Graystar, as he's kind enough to give us a few minutes of his day to join us again here on the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Chris, thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. And I just want to start by painting some broad strokes. And, you know, Graystar is a, a company that actually manages the apartment complex that I live in here in Houston, where we're based out of. So I'm just curious, when, when I saw that name on our schedule, I was wondering how it kind of connects into the eco-friendly environmental sustainability uh, space. So tell us a little bit about how that all ties in. Sure. Um, so, so Graystar is the, the largest manager of apartments or, or multifamily communities, um, actually in the world, I believe. We have 2,800 units roughly in the United States. Um, we both own and manage. So we own a considerable amount and we also manage other people's properties. But really what that's allowed us to do is really bring scale and size to bear on the multifamily industry. So we're, we're really able to bring some real true expertise, both in managing and in operating properties. And that extends into sustainability as well. So, and that's really kind of where, where my group is. Uh, I lead the energy and sustainability services group uh, at uh, Graystar uh, in what we call Advantage Solutions. And, and really what our group does is we make sure that uh, the sustainability needs and the utility billing and the utility recovery happens at all of our communities. So on a kind of daily micro level, what are some things that you guys want to try and push to the apartment complexes that you work with across the world to try and, you know, translate all the way down to the residents that are living in Graystar managed apartments, just how do you try it? What's the line of communication like and, and stuff that you're trying to push on sure. a daily basis for the residents? Yeah. Um, I mean, really, it all starts with data. So, so the, the, the really, the thing that we really emphasize is getting our hands on as much data as possible so that we can understand on scale how a property is performing. So we're looking at uh, benchmarking that property, comparing it against peers, comparing it against itself over time, um, you know, using tools like Energy Star and, and other benchmarking tools to really understand 
our portfolio. I mean, you can imagine with that size of a portfolio, knowing where to look is half the battle. So what we what we can do is by bringing all that data into kind of a central hub, I can really start to compare, you know, a garden style in Houston against a garden style apartment in a similar energy climate, you know, with similar build. Um, probably in our industry, the biggest challenge that we have is um, that with the exception of high rise and, and some mid rise uh, communities, uh, you know, most multifamily communities, the, the data is, are, are the, uh, the consumption of utilities is unitized. So there's no central control. And that also means that data isn't centrally located. So there are markets throughout Texas where we have a really difficult time getting a uh, whole building data. And so that's really one of our biggest challenges and opportunities is trying to understand the, the footprint, uh, the carbon footprint of our communities. Um, and, and where can we really get you know, that data so we can make action, actionable decisions within the portfolio? You know, talking about your carbon footprint within, within each respective community, let's talk about that a little bit. So since the complexes where the people in the apartments pay their own electric bill, Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to have an LED light in there, do they? Or is that something you put in so they don't necessarily have an option to do it? Well, I mean, we try to make sure that our uh, individual apartments are as efficient as we can get them at, at get-go. But obviously, once you lease that space, it's now your space for the next term of your lease. So hopefully they're already equipped with LED lights and low flow aerators and, and, and those type of devices. So we, we try to set them up for success. But see, that's the interesting thing about buildings, as you guys well know, is you can set up a building to run perfectly, but they tend to drift. So over time, that, that, that usage and consumption starts to change. The toilet starts to run. Our, our, you know, these things happen within the unit. So we do rely on the residents to, to let us know what's going on inside the units. We also monitor that consumption um, you know, of the utilities. A lot of times water we have access to, so we can get that data because a lot of times that's master metered. Um, but you know, like you said, with electricity, with it being um, individually metered, even if I do get whole building data, I only get a one year, you know, one year at a time snapshot and it's anonymized. So I don't know which unit is using what. And there's reasons for that. Um, but um, it, it, it does make it challenging to, um, to get efficient, you know, to understand what individual apartment is inefficient. So we sort of have to address that in mass. So we try to engage all of the residents and try to encourage, you know, um, conservation of resources. I mean, at the end of the day, um, that's part of your living expenses. So why waste your hard-earned income on electricity that's wasted or water that's wasted that you're not even, you know, using anyway, you're literally wasting it. Chris, another thing I'm curious about is just how different this uh, tracking is and and, and given all the different locations you guys are at. And obviously, depending on location, climate is going to be different. And, you know, the, you mentioned electricity usage, you know, I mentioned I'm down in here in Houston and I'm obviously using the AC a bunch from May until really right now, I guess is when I'm starting to maybe not be able to use it as much. So what's that like just in terms of, of tracking based on location, how people are kind of using their utilities? 
Yeah, I mean, that's why it's important to have a large enough peer set to, to be comparing to like buildings. So the, the climate, the energy climate zone in Houston, there are other parts of the United States that still have that same climate zone. So having scale, having, you know, are having access to databases if you don't happen to have that scale, which are commercially available and Energy Star offers as well some, some ability there. But really having that scale allows you to compare like for like. So for sure, you would not want to take a building that sits on a coastal region and compare it against a building that's setting like, you know, Aspen, Colorado in ski country in the winter. They're just, they're going to use energy differently. So you have to make sure it's a good peer set when you're comparing. And really what benchmarking does, I mean, at the end of the day, to simplify it, benchmarking helps me identify what is normal. And then I can compare that property against normal. Is it using more or less energy than I expect it to use? And that's almost like a detective. Now I'm following those clues or breadcrumbs, if you will, uh, to try to figure out where those opportunities lie. So also just as important, I would point out, just as important as poor performances, it's also important to recognize good performance. Because again, scale, right? We may not realize that in Tampa, Florida, there is a, a an apartment uh, community, a multifamily community that's just knocking it out of the park. They're running things so efficiently. With 2,800 properties, how do, you, how do you know that, right? So recognizing the good performers too help us realize where best practices may be that we can replicate within our portfolio. Just one follow-up there. You mentioned Tampa and uh, that you know resulted in another question popping into my mind. Uh, uh, obviously, as everybody is well aware of Hurricane Ian passing through uh, Florida, I just suppose passing through might be putting it lightly, but regardless, uh, everybody there in Florida getting hit. And I, I just wonder a little bit there in terms of how much your different tasks change when we do have natural disasters and uh, severe weather. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Just like everyone, uh, we move into a... Um... We move into storm mode. Uh, you know, one thing that we have to keep in mind is those same property managers and maintenance uh, folks that are helping that community prepare, they have homes in those communities as well. So they're literally doing double duty. They're, they're trying to make sure they're taking care of at their own home and taking care of all of our residents. Um, so yeah, we move into storm mode. Uh, we're doing as much as we can to make sure those communities are covered, to make sure that the residents, you know, um, are, are covered. We're, we're doing things like, you know, looking at the trees and looking at, you know, things that may fall, boarding up if we need to board up, potentially even evacuating depending on where it's at. Our, our folks uh, are, I'm, I'm proud to say, some of the best in the industry. And, and they, they really care about the residents. So we literally sometimes have to tell them, you guys need to take care of yourselves as well, uh, because they're so focused on the residents, which is kind of an awesome uh, you know, place to work when you're, when you're working with people that care so much about the people that, you know, that, that are in their communities. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like everybody, we, 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 we have to prepare for it. It's going to impact us. We have, you know, maybe 200 um, units in that community that, that potentially got impacted. And, and then we have to work with those residents to help make sure that services are resorted. And then at that point, we're falling back on you know, FEMA and everybody else for to get back up to speed as soon as possible. You're Chris, good luck with uh, the recovery from the storm. 
I know that's going to be a process, not going to be a quick process, but it's something that's important. And you've got a lot of residents that you do have to take care of. So uh, good luck with that. I know that's going to be a tough task for your entire corporation. So uh, getting back to the sustainability topic, mm-hmm. when somebody thinks about sustainability at apartment complexes or different multifamily units that you guys might manage or anybody else might manage, I assume you're putting out an annual sustainability report. Is that true or false? Yeah, I mean, we we put out several reports. I mean, there's reports that go to investors. There's 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 multiple reports that go out to multiple stakeholder groups. So we're tracking uh, that consumption. My my team isn't really doing reporting. My team is really focused on impact. So we're really trying to focus on what is the annual consumption. But we have another team inside of Graystar. Uh, an ESG team uh, led by Cope Willis, who they really focus on reporting and making sure that that's communicated. Well, within that space, my question is, if somebody's injured on property, is that in the sustainable or ESG report or not at all? Just out of curiosity. That's just a curiosity I, question. You honestly, don't know that answer? Yeah. I, I know some of the malls count that in their sustainability well, report. That's I why mean, I asked that question. When you think about ESG reporting, so ESG reporting, the S is social. So that does include people. And some uh, some uh, people will put uh, health and safety information in that area. And that's not wrong, um, but it's not necessarily a requirement of ESG. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so um, what are some of the things you guys do? Because you don't, you aren't responsible for all the electricity within each unit. So what are some of the major things you as a complex can do to help reduce your carbon footprint? Well, so I would actually challenge you on that. Um, We're responsible for the electricity that we have operational control of, right? Whoever has the thermostat, so to speak, has operational control unless you have a building automation system. So even though we don't have operational control of the actual use of the electricity in the units, it's still a scope three emission for us. Um, because it, 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 the, the property itself is still owned by, by us in, a, in the case of an owned property. Now, keep in mind, we also manage other people's properties. So if it is another owner, not a Graystar-owned property, then those scope three emissions belong to that owner. Um, so I, I think I may have lost your question in, in my answer on scope one and scope two and scope three. Well, um... My question was, when you're trying to reduce your carbon footprint within a said property, what are some of the things you can do to reduce your carbon footprint? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. So, I mean, when when we're looking to reduce carbon footprint, really the the first step is always efficiency. It, It just makes sense not to purchase electricity or gas that you don't need or use. So, The first step is always efficiency. And that's why we start with data, right? To figure out what is normal and how are we operating efficiently or not. The second step uh, after we've addressed efficiency is to start looking at the source of the energy. So is this, is the source of the energy, is this a, uh, is this a renewable uh, electricity that's coming into the community or is this uh, fossil fuel generated because obviously fossil fuel generated electricity has a more intense footprint uh, than renewable energy right so we look at the we look at the energy source and in deregulated states we can actually uh, make smarter purchasing decisions in those states uh, through the acquisition of energy uh, we also look on site too to see does it make sense to install renewable energy on site 
or if it's in a state that has community solar, sometimes those opportunities are there as well to, to at least get solar to the to the site through an offsite community solar farm somewhere. Um, and then honestly, I mean, the, the third step after that point, after you've done efficiency, which gets you roughly 70, 75% there, then you go after re, uh, the energy source, which gets you another maybe 15, 20%. The rest of it is probably going to be uh, carbon offsets or, or uh, recs uh, to, to get the rest of the way to, to a true carbon neutral position. Uh, because I can only get about 99% of the way there through efficiency and, and generation. Chris, last one that I'm just curious about, you've talked about how big of a company Graystar is, and I'm just wondering how the, I mentioned, you know, kind of the messaging and communication and getting, uh, you know, understanding down to the residents of kind of making smarter, greener decisions. Mm -hmm. But I, I also wonder just within Graystar, uh, what kinds of kind of uh, awareness, promotion, stuff like that do you have to do? Because I imagine not everybody that even works for Graystar is maybe as in the know clearly as you are on a lot of these topics. So what's that kind of like team to team communication? like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, engagement is a key component um, and, and that's both resident engagement and team member engagement, right? Um, so there's a lot of things that we do. I mean, we, we promote events, uh, particularly events that our residents may identify with. For example, Earth Day. Uh, most people have heard of Earth Day by this point. So, you know, taking advantage of those nationally or internationally celebrated events is also an opportunity for us to bring um, education to our residents about how they can be more sustainable within our community as well. Uh, but those same messages, you know, through blogs uh, and through um, through um, uh, just communication, through, through uh, you know, the, the properties have events that occur at the property level. So, you know, we, we try to arm those property managers with information that they can then in turn deploy at the property level. Maybe it's a, a fun night for the, for the tenants to get to know each other, for the residents to get to know each other and, and, and meet in the clubhouse. And while you're here, hey, let's talk about energy efficiency. And we're having a pizza party as well. You know, there's, there's just different ways of, of the, at the property level. So we, we try to give like a, a toolkit, if you will, that can, you know, be used. We have some policies and procedures and guides and green guides and stuff like that, that the properties can use. But at the end of the day, the real champions, the, the real success of our program is with the individual property teams uh, at the property level. I mean, they're the real uh, champions. They're the ones who are talking day to day with the residents and, and really doing that engagement. So it, it's a combination. It's an ongoing effort. It never ends. Um, always trying to come up with creative ideas. Again, I, you know, I'll plug Energy Star one last time. There's a lot of tools there that others can turn to and use. If you go to energystar.gov, you can pull in a lot of data from there that's free um, you know, to use at your communities. Um, so you know, just reaching out, using those sources, talking to other directors of sustainability across the United States, getting their ideas. I mean, it's a small world, so we all try to help each other out. Um, so, yeah. You know, thank you so much for your time here today, Chris. But I'd remiss, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, tell us about this blog that you write, 39.substack.com. Yeah. What's no, the story I there? I appreciate that. Um, 39 um, is really, it comes from the name that 39% of all carbon emissions 
come from the built environment. So really, it's just a weekly attempt from myself to, to reach out to my colleagues and engage in conversations around things that we can do to positively uh, impact, to reduce that impact of the built environment, to try to bring that 39% number lower. So every week I'm pushing out content. I think I've, I'm on two years now of every single week, an article. Um, so um, um, it's, there's, I'm not sponsored by anybody. I don't get any, uh, any, it, it, this is a completely just Chris's opinion. It's not a grace or approved uh, blog. Uh, but it, it's just trying to um, to get that conversation going amongst my peers, uh, because quite honestly, even as big as we are, we can't do this alone. We need every single property owner to really make the difference that has to be made. You know, you mentioned the hurricane earlier. I mean, it's evidence of, of you know, hurricanes are stronger and storms are more frequent. And, you know, we're seeing real live evidence in front right now of, of climate change um, and, and to reduce that it's going to take all of us. So hopefully that blog is, gets the conversation going to try to make the difference that needs to be made. All right. Well, there he is. Chris Lofman from Graystar on episode 151 of the Green Insider powered by E-Renewable. Chris, thanks again for your time. And uh, we certainly, I'm sure we'll reconnect, but appreciate your time today. Thanks guys. Okay, again, Chris Lofman, episode 151 of the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Want to make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts from, because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day. And we were responsible for today's lesson. Alongside Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your days.